This is Profiles in Risk. Hosted by Nick Lamparelli. Every week, we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career, and reputation, and those who work behind the scenes who look to protect and enlighten us about risk. You can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S dot com. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. On today's show, I am joined by Wesley Todd, the CEO of Case Glide. Wesley, how are you? I'm great, Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think you're going to be known as the Tom Hanks of Profiles and Risk soon. Hmm. Um, you know, Tom Hanks has been on Saturday Night Live so often. Uh, you know, they have the, the Fiverr Club there. This is your third episode, so you're two away from me needing to buy you a suit coat with a special logo on it as a member of the Fiverr club. Well, I mean, I, I can't wait. And then, you know, if I get up to 10, maybe I get a trophy of some kind. I mean, who knows? You know? A gold watch or yeah. something. Exciting. Uh, you had posted a couple of articles on LinkedIn dealing with assignment of benefits that uh, really got the articles themselves, not you got under my skin. Um, I had heard a lot about assignment of benefits, but I did not understand the problem uh, until I read your article. To me, it was always like, well, it just sounds like insurance companies complaining, but there's a much bigger, deeper problem that's occurring in here. So uh, you, you seem to have a really good grasp on it. I wanted to dedicate this show to assignment of benefits. So uh, to kick this off, could you technically describe to the listeners what, what is this whole assignment of benefit and what's the problem? So an assignment of benefits was a thing that came, that came up and has been around for decades where when you have some kind of injury in, in the past, you would go get treated and then that medical provider would get an assignment of benefits so that they could recover for the treatment that they provide you without having to get the insurance proceeds first. So it's a legal document where somebody steps in the shoes of the insured to recover the post-loss benefits uh, from a claim. And, and, it, and it arose in the medical world, but now it's you know being taken over in uh, auto and residential property uh, claims now in the past five, six years. So it started out as health. That makes sense. That kind of streamlines a clumsy process. So typically, so how does it work? There's a, let's, let's say uh, you're driving down the street, you get into a car accident. How, how does one assign their insurance benefits over? Who, who do you assign it to? Um, it, how does, could you walk us through like how that would typically work? Yeah, so in this situation, how it would typically work and how it's always worked in the past, um, you know, in, in that situation is, you know, you're injured and you're going to go seek some treatment. And every state has different laws on this, but generally either your insurer, if you're, you know, either your auto insurer or your 
uh, or the person who hits you is going to be on the hook for a particular amount of, you know, the uh, treatment that you get. And so you go into a chiropractor or maybe a, a, another type of doctor, you know, some kind of a therapist to take a look at and then maybe begin to treat you and check out your back and your spine and see, is there something significant here or is it just, uh, what's it called? Um, is it just, you know, uh, superficial? Is it just a superficial soft tissue injury? And those, that's a big distinction there because one, it means that you're just, you're going to get fine on your own. Another one means you need surgery. Well, when you are going to get that evaluation and get that initial treatment, the doctor needs to get paid for that and has no idea when they're going to get paid for that. So they have you sign at that moment when you go in there an assignment of benefits and, it, and it's a document that you've probably seen, uh, you know, plenty of times in, uh, you know, when you go to, if you've ever had treatment for something like that. And then in the property context, it happens when you have a leak or something in your house where a plumber or a water mitigation dryer company comes out and you need to dry the property and they're thinking the same thing, or even like a contractor that might have to pull out some things uh, so that because it's just so soaked. So they're thinking the same thing that that doctor was thinking. I want to make sure that I don't have to work through this. A lot of times unsophisticated insured and make, and because the insurance company won't talk to me if I don't have this document. So the idea is this allows them to drive it and get paid and they have the operations to go ahead and take care of that. So the insured doesn't have to worry about that. Okay. So <clears throat> that makes sense. Uh, seems reasonable. What's the problem? So, I don't want to bore people because this is like, I mean, I, you know, you, Nick, you know, I was emailing you at three in the morning recently about how, uh, about I couldn't, how, I, I didn't know if you were coming, just getting home or yeah. if you were waking up early. Yeah, I was completely sober, but I was just going through, I was, I was flying out of uh, New York for some meetings and I was going through all the podcasts that I had missed in the past couple of weeks. And I was just like, this is tremendous. So let me not ruin that momentum by quickly just saying what's the problem and, and, and why would you even be talking about something like this? So first of all, it's a billion dollar problem in Florida alone. This is a, something that's costing Florida policyholders a billion dollars because as we're going to talk about the way that the, the scenarios that we just mentioned is not what's happening anymore. It's being used as a weapon and the law is set up to incentivize it to be used as a weapon which we'll go into, but to keep your attention real quick, if you're in the insurance industry or the tech or the insure tech industry, this is the type of thing that's, that's causing uh, insurance companies to be at profitability or below profitability. It, this was a billion dollar issue. Companies went out of business or were forced to be bought out several of them because of this issue. Um, there were 240 articles written about it last year. Wall Street Journal, New York Times, everywhere. It's, it's led to now where in, in a normal environment, you have 4 to 6% of claims go to a lawsuit. So 4 to 6% of claims don't go well. Somewhere in the range of 60% for some insurers, 60% of their claims are now going to a lawsuit and have to be adjusted by a, a lawyer. Um, and, and as I said, it's a billion-dollar problem. So this is challenging all this hard work you know you're talking to the reinsurers on here you talk about insurance with securities talk about technology you talk about uh you know, you've had the p 
people come in there. Uh, Robin from We Go Look about you know arbitrage of expense. You talk about an expense that needs to be looked at, and it's when something just pops out of the of the blue for one billion. And what it's come from is something that anybody in claims is sort of aware of now. We talk about InsurTech and we talk about efficiencies and we and, and thankfully it's really gotten a lot of attention and podcasts like yours, things like Insurance Nerds and several others, uh, several other publications hammered this home and now people are paying attention to it. Well, but why is that even more important? Because the other side, the people that are trying to get money from insurance companies are becoming just as sophisticated, if not more. They have very talented people that know how to get money out of insurance companies, whether it's plaintiff's lawyers or, 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 or insured lawyers or vendors. And these people are winning the war against insurance companies. That's why you're seeing profit. That's one of the reasons why you're seeing profitability. Um, and, 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 and if you dive in, you're in insurance, like you see how many layers and how much, uh, how many problems there are at an insurance company just to get something done. So when you think of all these things and you're in these things and you're talking about these things every day, imagine this is the perfect example. This AOB issue is the perfect example of what happens when insurance companies are not as powerful as their opponents because they don't adopt technology. They don't adopt innovation. Um, they, they don't have the processes in place to handle something like this. So I wanted to put that into context because if you're in, for example, Crawford Connection, which is uh, one of the most successful insured techs in the world you'd never know about um, because it's part of the big monster Crawford, this is a huge boon to their business because they are able to distribute like the Uber for contractors that can help mitigate this issue. Or if you're Livegenic, you know the company, it's like uh, the Snapsheet for Property where you can adjust a claim virtually. If you're these insured tech companies, you are the solution to these things. Um, and obviously Case Glide, which uh, is the litigation management software that isn't a outright solution for this, but makes it where it's one-tenth of the issue that it would be for you if you didn't have it. So the, the, I wanted to put it into context real quick, Nick, before I started talking about the specific problem, because it's these fluctuations in the insurance world just like with you, Nick, with flood and, and all the prop good timing with flood that happened with you, it's these fluctuations that create the opportunities for insured techs to actually get attention and then actually succeed. Okay, um, so, so your your answer uh, put to uh, caused me to think of two questions. First of all, I, I didn't answer. I didn't answer yet. I'm 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 I'm, I'm trying to uh, you know I'm trying to get you excited about set, set the pins about it. Okay, <laughs> typical well, lawyer stuff. I think I think you're going in this direction, but let, just let me um, quickly clarify. Uh, everything I read with assignment and benefits, assignment of benefits, is always associated with Florida. Is this a Florida-only problem? It is now. It is now, but there's no telling whether this will, and, and it will be a problem elsewhere. May not be as big of a problem. Florida is one of the biggest insurance markets in the world, uh, and particularly residential property. But it, it is mostly a Florida problem now. But litigation and losing the battle against plaintiff's lawyers is a national problem 
you know, experienced differently by different insurers, but experienced by all insurers at some point in time. Yeah. And I'm hoping you were going in this direction because I'm certainly going in this direction, which is those two articles. Um, the problem seems to be ex- extending into something that looks more like harassment. So this isn't a, I'm injured, I go to a doctor and I sign my my benefits over. This is contractors approaching, uh, basically prospecting uh, homeowners or uh, you know anyone that's been in an auto accident, um, basically taking advantage of their naivete and then completely harassing them, um, essentially saying that uh, the whatever the legal ramifications are of the adjustment, those funds belong to the whoever was assigned the benefit. So um, it it just is besides the dollar loss, it's it seems as though there's almost there's a harassment, almost a cor- corruptive element to this now. Yeah. So it, uh, as with anything, there's a spectrum and there's people that are using this the right way. There's people that are using this, that it's having some ramifications on homeowners and, 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 you know, your regular average Joe, the plumber, and, but it's not as bad. And then there's, then there's the, the far end of the spectrum, which is the article that I shared on LinkedIn about a roofer who, and this is roofers have been for years, have been walking the streets of neighborhoods in Florida, including the villages where there's a bunch of elderly people who don't know any better. And they just start seeing a bunch of roofs come up next to them. And they're like, I wonder how that happened. And then a roofer knocks at their door and says, you're entitled to a new roof. There's a hailstorm here three years ago. Your insurance company should have, should have paid you for it. We're going to report this claim for you. And the insurance company, they're going to, and the elderly person here, um, it, you know, it just depends on who comes to your door. If somebody weird comes to your door, you might be a little concerned. But if somebody that seems normal comes to your door or, as in that article, kind of holds themselves out as somebody from the insurance company, now we're on that far end of the spectrum of how bad it can get, how bad some of these laws allow it to get. And so now that person, that roofer, convinces you that you're entitled to a new roof, shows you some pictures up there, points to five houses and says Liberty Mutual paid that one, USA paid for that one, this company paid for that one. And then you say, oh, it it passes muster with me. I did talk to Judy over there. So I'm going to go ahead and sign this assignment of benefits. You put on the new roof. Sounds great to me. And you deal with my insurance company. Well, in that instance, now that's all well and good. But the insurance company says, and the roof's done or maybe not even done. Maybe they're just going to try to get paid first, which happens quite a bit as well. A month later, after a couple back and back and forth conversations, the insurance company says, we're not paying for this. A, this isn't, you don't do insurance three years later. Uh, this is that we can't inspect it duties after loss. And B, it wasn't caused by hail. This is normal wear and tear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, and they, but they're telling this to the contractor. Well, the contractor Maybe if they started the roof already, they say, hey, Joe, um, we're going to sue the insurance company or eat better yet. More often than not, they don't even tell Joe and they sue the company, put that homeowner's name in the complaint. 
some a lot of smart insurers are getting good relationships with their insurers better than than previously and then all of a sudden they're talking and the contractor or and they get nervous and they're like their insurance rates are going to go up this they're named in a lawsuit this is going to ruin everything for their lives and they say to the contractor you know what i'm just not interested and as that story depicted the contractor says well we're going to sue you and you're going to pay us for this roof and we're going to charge you twice as much as anybody else would have paid you and good luck because you don't have any insurance and you don't have any legal acumen and you're going to have to show up in court and somehow argue against our guys that are do this thousands of times a month. And so that's happening with roofers, especially not the roofers don't have the highest numbers, but that's the most tricky situation where it seems okay to an, to a homeowner. It's happening with the people that come in and dry your house. They'll bring five dryers up to your house so that they can charge 15 grand for something that costs $1,500. And your, 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 your life, I won't say it's ruined, but it's definitely a bad situation when you're named in a lawsuit, you have a claim against an insurance company, you don't even know about it. And then when you want to change your mind about it, you actually get more penalties uh, when you're trying to do the right thing. So this happens hundreds of thousands of times a year today. It used to never happen. It used to only happen a few thousand times just back in 2010. The only other instance, Nick, is in Florida, if you go anywhere with your car, once every few months, somebody's going to come up to you and say that you have a nick in your windshield. And if you have a nick in your windshield, they're going to say you're entitled to a new windshield. And it's the same thing, except this one doesn't cause as many consumer protection problems, but it's a major insurance problem, another billion-dollar issue, because these windshield replacement companies are filing tens of thousands of claims on behalf of the homeowner to replace a little Nick with a $2,000 windshield. So all of a sudden, um, so how, how else does it harm the homeowner real quick? Insurance rates for homeowners have raised 10% every year for the past couple of years when they should be going down because, uh, you know, before Irma, they should have been going down, 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 down. And homeowners insurance rates have raised just so everybody's paying 10% more uh, for insurance because to pay these roofers and these dry out companies to basically, like you said, harass them or harass the insurance company. And there's a whole lot to unravel here because it just doesn't sound like it makes any sense. And it probably sounds so small. You're like, why are we talking about this on this podcast? But it's a billion dollars. It's a billion dollar a year insurance issue. And it's throwing a lot of the insurance markets, including reinsurance, into a, into a tailspin because it's something you cannot predict and you cannot control in Florida and you have no idea because it just totally flies in the face of everything insurance is about, which is being able to predict what's going to happen when you issue that policy. Yeah, so when people wonder why the insurance policy is so difficult to read, uh, they always blame the insurance companies when it's really situations like this where uh, the wording and how it's crafted has to be very precise in order to stem the problem that's actually occurring. So um, I, I will put the articles and the letter on the show notes, but I wanted to read a couple parts of it. Sure. Um, because right away, right off the bat, first of all, it doesn't sound like a professional letter. Uh, dear so-and-so, I am deeply disturbed by your reaction to to our reaching a fair settlement on our insurance claim. This is the contractor writing the letter. Every client I have ever had does backflips 
when they learn they are getting a new, a new no cost to them roof. Hmm. I have discussed, I have discussed your reaction with my staff and our attorneys in over 100 years of insurance claims experience. We have never had a reaction like yours. We are quite frank. We quite frankly are flabbergasted and shocked and it went on and on and on. And uh, where's the part I love uh, basically warning them that uh, because the roof permit had been pulled, the insurer is going to be driving by and checking to see where, uh, you know, what's, what was the status of the roof. If the roof was not complete, they'd be in violation of their policy. No insurance equals no mortgage equals no home. They're basically threatening to take the home away. And they say so in this letter that they were going to sue and that they would foreclose on the house. Um, sounds like harassment to me. Yeah. And it's, and it, it, what if you're the insurance company and you know that your homeowner is going through this, uh, but what can they do? Well, there, you know, there's what we could talk about problems and or, or, you know, there's several layers of solutions, but while you're in this situation, only thing you can do, uh, unless you want to litigate this thing and prove your point, which a lot of insurance companies have done. There's a couple of insurance companies that have filed basically corruption actions against a couple of these contractors, but, the only thing you can do in that moment to help the homeowner at that time is to pay these people off. You know, it's straight extortion. That's crazy. So that is there the possibility of reassigning the benefits or how's the legality of that? Once the benefits are assigned, is that that? It's lost. You, you don't, you have nothing to assign anymore. What's funny though, is that Florida created a law 20, 30 years ago that to try to protect homeowners that when they sue the insurance company, if the insurance company was wrong by $1, it's not exactly what it says, but this is the literal interpretation by $1, then the homeowner is entitled to his or her attorney's fees. So you might have a claim where you wanted, you thought that the replacement of the kitchen was 10 grand. They thought it was, Nine grand. The insurance company thought it was nine grand. You have a trial two years later. You you get it for um, nine thousand and one dollars. You get a verdict from the jury. You're entitled to all your attorney's fees, which is essentially under Florida law right now, somewhere between five hundred and seven hundred dollars an hour for the entire two years. So people come out of these claims, these one thousand dollar claims or one dollar claims with 200, 300 grand in legal fees. And that's the engine because Florida has incentivized this behavior. They never ever knew or thought of the idea of a litigation factory, these contractors where it's all consolidated and they're able to just pump this out. They thought this is an individual homeowner basis. So the law was interpreted as applying to these contractors too because they received their rights via the assignment. And so that's where we get the billion dollar problem as opposed to just a dollar problem here and there. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, that I think the legislature in Florida has always had a bit of um, conflict with the insurance industry simply because Florida being a hurricane prone state uh, that, you know, there's always that in, uh, annual rate increase that the insurance companies try to pass um, the, you know, the 
peasants with the pitchforks come out, the state legislature comes in, they enact new laws to try to prevent the rate increase one way or another, including uh, at one point, uh, which is still exists, having the insurance, uh, having the modeling firms uh, prove the worthiness of the model so that insurance companies can use them, which is, which is another cost burden to the insurer, which gets passed along in the form of premium. So it's, it seems as though the, the conflict was already there. And so it was like piling on almost, I'm sure, as you mentioned, this has been going on for quite some time, but I'm sure there's a general tendency in the legislature in Florida to just not side with insurance companies just because there's always been that other conflict dealing with hurricane and hurricane rates. And I think I read last year, this topic came up in the legislature and nothing happened. Five years straight. Because... Trial lawyers run the legislature in Florida. Louisiana happens to have a trial lawyer as its governor. Um, it's much, and this is why I talk about us insurance companies losing the war and why, why this is what InsurTech is all about. Like when you're an InsurTech and you're going to these companies now, sometimes it's tough to get their attention. It's just a matter of if they decide to pay attention to you. These are the things that create opportunity where companies need insure techs because these companies don't have the latest tools. They're getting them to adjust the claim before this contractor gets out there, right? The, the live stream video like exists now, like Snapsheet does for auto, like Genic does for claims. Um, they don't have, they don't have real time data or some more sophisticated enough data to actually know what's happening in real time. So this has been an issue for five years, but many of these cases didn't close for three years. So when the insurance regulators came in and said, how big of an issue is this? Frankly, most insurance companies couldn't even answer it because they had no idea what was going to happen. And obviously, we're having that same situation. And so that's where Case Glide came in, litigation management software, where you had every single thing you could ever want to know, click away, um, InsurTech. At the right time, this is where all these companies are busting their butt, getting in front of the insurance companies. The insurance companies are going to be coming to you in situations like this. Um, but you know the the you know the big the, the the big thing is just just to to talk about something else real quick. It's all being generated by fifteen law firms and fifteen contractors. All this billion dollar problem. Fifteen law firms and fifteen contractors who started three four years ago doing seminars saying here's how you can make some big bucks because the real estate market was down. So these roofers and these contractors didn't have much to do. So it's, it, 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 it's just conglomeration of situations that where you think the insurance industry would be resilient enough at several different points, whether it's, they have fairly good processes, they have very good data, they have good connections with the legislature, they have great technology. And basically they, many of them, if not most have missed, the ability to check any of those boxes before it's too late. And now we have this problem. Okay. So in insure tech is one solution and that makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, claims get reported tech use technology to adjust them as quickly and fairly as possible. Good. What about, uh, situations, um, where the technology isn't helpful yet, 
Um, how should insurers, uh, so in this, in our audience listening are probably insurance execs. I know we have a lot of agents and brokers in Florida, um, and everyone's a homeowner. So how, being that this is such a big problem, what's the communication strategy here? Should, should, should it, is this really just upping the level of communication uh, making it transparent that this problem exists and just kind of putting, you know, the insur- the insurers should basically take some of the load uh, back and say, we will, we're going to need to educate our consumers to better handle this. You, you, you nailed it. Um, that's number one. So they were bringing this in front of the legislature three years ago and nobody, nobody cared. Then you had this year where there were 260 articles written on it. Everybody knows the other way to do, and they finally figured out their messaging. The messaging two years ago was rates are going to go up. That stinks for Florida, so Florida should care. Nope, nobody cared. Rates went up, nobody cared. Or maybe they didn't believe them. Who knows? But the rates went up, still nobody cared. Uh, the messaging since then has been, um, has been legislation to prevent assignments altogether. Well, no way, Jose. That, that, that didn't work because of the good instances we talked about earlier. Now, I was at a conference yesterday, Florida Chamber of Insurance, uh, Florida Chamber of Commerce Insurance Summit. The messaging is very tight and clear. It doesn't mean they're going to get plaintiff lawyers in the Senate and Banking Committee to agree to it. But the messaging is, if you remove Florida's incentive to sue insurance companies, which is that attorney fee statute, for companies, it was intended for, for, for homeowners, for people. If you remove that incentive for, for companies, you get rid of the whole thing altogether because when there is a dispute about the amount of damages, you have two, you have, you have an equal battle. Whereas here, even if an insurance company wins seven out of 10 of these lawsuits on those three, they're going to, that they pay and they pay $700 an hour for two years, they're going to lose at all. So right now they just have to settle them all. Um, But if you remove that incentive, now they can win seven out of 10. And I mean, essentially, and I, you know, this isn't the intended consequence. The intended consequence is, is, consumer protection, but you'd probably, probably bankrupt a lot of these companies um, that if they wanted to continue doing things the way they were doing them. So that's the legislation being passed. If I'm a listener to this show that does business in Florida, it's hitting commercial as well, uh, commercial property. But if I'm a, you know, somebody listening to this, there's plenty of info to gather and there's plenty of uh, organizations to put your money behind that are uh, pushing the legislature as hard as they can to do something. One of the hard things, one more thing. One of the hard things is that Florida had a really bad law on workers' compensation. Uh, the, the Supreme Court said that you can't – we had this law that saved businesses thousands of dollars a year in premium for workers' comp because they just said, hey, an attorney shouldn't be able to get like $100,000 for every one of these claims. It had the schedule. Florida Supreme Court ruled that unconstitutional last year. So – the AOB thing kind of fell by the wayside because we had so many problems. We couldn't even focus on a billion dollar problem. Um, that is also up for debate in this, in this legislative session. So if we can get the attention on AOB, we, we will, but there's no guarantee. So for insurance companies, it's a mess, but you, you have to put money behind these organizations in time. And because it's, it's, it's everybody's problem, even people, regular people. I, I had a, a big increase in my own policy premium. And to who? It's not for anybody's benefit other than fi- uh, 15 lawyers and 15 contractors. Yeah, and just looking at that letter, um, 
that that right there is marketing. Um, it, it's just harassment. You just read it, and you, it's uh, it made me very upset uh, reading that. I can imagine being on the other side of this. So it's uh, unfortunately um, we're in this uh, uh, conundrum where you're either supporting the lawyers or you're supporting the insurance companies and uh, you base, it's basically the Soviet union versus Nazi Germany. You want them both to lose. Uh, yeah. Somehow, but uh, it is what it is. Do, do you think like uh, within five years that there'll be, uh, that this will change? Do you think the education message will hold? Do you think there's a chance of any kind of uh, legislation passing? Do you think, do you think this will stop being, um, the issue that it is in within five years or ever? Uh, yes, it will in one way or another because these, uh, these companies surplus is ever eroded and they may, you know, fall by the wayside and it may get people's attention. So that's the bad way. The more positive way would be that this does become a priority because the right people get involved and they pass that legislation. Uh, I am confident that, that that's what's going to happen. Maybe not this year, but probably the next year because the message has gotten so good. And now the data insurtech spiel here again, the data has gotten so much better than it was the first time, first two times they looked at this. So um, I think that it will, you know, certainly change. And then you had hurricane Irma and hurricane Irma presented an opportunity for, you know, you have, you have your 2015 numbers, you have your 2016 numbers, you have your 2017 numbers. Hurricane Irma was equal to an entire year's worth of claims for every company. So now you've just doubled the, um, you've just doubled the problem potentially. It all depends. Uh, nobody can model it. No insurance company can predict it. Nobody knows whether it's going to be 25% of claims have an AOB attached, 5%, whether 4% of those are going to go to litigation or 40%. Nobody knows what kind of insurance, what kind of insurance industry is this? So hopefully Irma does not make it accelerate that first option of companies going out of business. Um, but the beauty of insurance is that insurance companies are extremely smart. And while they're not lawyers, so they don't want to pay attention to the litigation department, they're so smart that they'll figure these things out if they have to pay attention to them. And the insurance industry is extremely resilient. They will figure it out. Uh, the executives have the most amazing sense of direction for how to tackle these things. And the more of them that are paying attention to them, which more and more are every day, the one of them's going to figure it out. And they're going to figure it out, uh, you know, uh, they, they can figure it out in a myriad of ways, whether it's getting the right lobbyist or telling the right story, just kind of like you brought up or just figuring out a way to get to the homeowner first. Um, one way or another, it will get figured out because these people are too smart. They're just too smart to, to get beaten by these 15 firms and 15 contractors. Yeah, another year in Florida. Uh, yeah. if, it's, if it's not the hurricanes, it's the sinkholes. If it's not the sinkholes, it's the assignment of benefits. Unbelievable. Uh, I will uh, put all of that information up on the show notes uh, for anyone that's listening you really want to take a look at that letter. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it's what precipitated this whole broadcast because I, I just had no idea the problem was this bad. So Wes, thanks so much for coming on and enlightening us. Uh, let's, let's follow up on this. Uh, you, you're going to get your shot to become a member of the Fiverr club, uh, pretty soon. Cause we'll be meeting again 
uh, in a month or so trying to do a hurricane update uh, with a panel. going to try something new uh, that'll to, to, to go over the hurricane season, so that should be fun. But uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about assignment of benefits, and, uh, and we'll follow up with you on this. Great. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for highlighting this very important issue for Florida. And for those people that listen to this just for me, because I posted this somewhere or sent it to you, listen to the rest of these podcasts. This is an unbelievable encyclopedia of like what you need to know today. I'm not BSing. It's the last like seven, eight episodes have been ridiculous. Thank you, Nick. I'm blushing. My guest this week has been Wes Todd of Case Glide. Wes, thanks again. Thank you.